Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Really look to community. Try to reestablish community. That doesn't have to be a big church. It can be a small group. But I think that's something that needs to happen, especially with people working remotely at home. We're isolating ourselves from each other. And I think we need to come together. We need to have touch. We need to have facial expressions. We need to worship and pray physically together, like in the upper room right before Pentecost, right? But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout out to Gopher Ministries, who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services, who does all of our financial accounting. Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained. And Life Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at christinaperera.org. Do you have a loved one special occasion coming up and don't know what to get them? Well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to christinaperera.org slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me. He holds the WJA Power Chair of Old Testament Interpretation and Biblical Hebrew at Southern Methodist University, and he is the author of the new book, Seven Secrets of the Spirit-Filled Life. I have with me here today, Jack Levison. Welcome to the podcast, Jack. Thank you, Christina. Super glad to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm super glad to have you with me. When I saw that you are uh, a professional in biblical Hebrew, I just, oh my gosh, my heart just leapt. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, yes, a professional, not a perfectionist in Hebrew. Just remember that. <laughs> yes. So that's good enough for me. That's good enough. Okay. I'm just a hungry person. I can't help it. I just can't help it. The more you see of Jesus, the hungrier you get. So mm-hmm. there's an ancient Jewish philosopher called Philo of Alexandria who lived exactly the same time as Jesus. And he said, basically, the love and learning and these sorts of things are like a fire. The more you have of them, the more they grow in a fire. And I think that's true of learning. I think you're absolutely right. Well, I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I've told our listeners a lot about you. Can you share with them something personal just to help get to know you? 
Oh, yeah. I'm 66. And just before my 65th birthday, I moved into a college dorm. So we had been working with a group called Faith and Learning at Southern Methodist University, a group of about 12 students. And I kept saying, I want to go to coffee. Let's have coffee. Finally, one student said, you know, you need to become a fur. And I said, a fur? What's a fur? And a fur is a faculty in residence. And so I applied at SMU and they accepted me. And just before my 65th birthday, we moved into Bose Commons, which is a dorm on the Southern Methodist University campus. And we live tooth to jowl with 185 students. We have our own little apartment, but we have a wonderful time living with them, mentoring some of them, feeding them. So that's probably one of the things you need to know about me. I love being with college students. Priscilla, my wife, loves being with college students. And we spend an awful lot of time with them now. Mm, well, I love that so much. I love that you moved into a dorm at 66. That's pretty brave, I have to say. You know, people say that and it has been a sheer delight. And not always, not always at two in the morning when there's pounding up above and students are running around. I mean, there's a whole ecosystem that goes on at 3 a.m. in the morning in a college dorm. I was up a few times and it's like, wow, they're still up. And so there is a lot of noise around us. But for the students themselves, we absolutely love them. We have a Sunday night gathering where we basically feed them and they stand around for a couple hours, sit around, put around. We put a fire on sometimes outside. They gather and then we have another Tuesday night gathering we may talk about. So and then there's lunches and talks and conversations about boyfriends and girlfriends and faith and classes. It's an amazing life. Mm -hmm. And we're really fortunate to be part of it. Yeah, and I bet those students are just as blessed to have you as part of their lives. So good. Well, since this is Revealing Jesus, I have to ask you how you met our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Well, I grew up on Long Island in a very small church tucked between a donut store and a TV repair shop. Teeny little place at a good Sunday, a hundred New Yorkers who had gathered for worship. And my father was a lapsed Catholic, kind of an angry lapsed Catholic. So he would go to church off and on, but usually off, I would say. My mother really became a Christian on Long Island, and she was just a woman of evangelism. I mean, we've written some books, and she features in some of those books. So my mother became a Christian was always telling people about Jesus. And she raised my two sisters and me in that small church. And so just to give you an example, on Sunday morning, she would drive all around our neighborhood. There were no seatbelts back then. And she would pick up kids from our neighborhood and we'd stuff about eight kids into our car and drive them to church. And so I grew up under the inspiration, the true inspiration of a mother who had a deep love of Jesus and really a deep passion for bringing the good news to other people. And thankfully, she brought the good news to my two sisters and me. So I became a Christian. I was baptized at 12 in that church. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, it's so interesting to me how all of our stories are different and unique, but they all end with Jesus. So good. Well, I have loved reading through your book, Seven Secrets of the Spirit-Filled Life. 
daily renewal, purpose, and joy when you partner with the Holy Spirit. And I love that you broke this down into very simple concepts for people to understand. Sometimes people hear living the Spirit-filled life and it gets overly complicated, but just like the gospel, God has made living with his Spirit something so simple that even a child can grasp. What was your inspiration behind writing this? Well, it goes way back. So the first article I wrote as an academic, as a scholar, was back, I think, in 1992. And ever since then, I've just been sort of the scholar who writes on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But then during the year before we knew we were moving into the dorm, I knew it would be a tumultuous year. We had to sell our townhouse. We had to move. We put our things into storage while we waited to get into the apartment in the dorm. And I knew that would be a time of upheaval, and I really wanted God still to be present in my life. And I thought, well, one thing I could do is to really break down every day an insight from the Bible and see if God could speak to me and to others through that insight. So I sat every morning, I sat and I picked a Bible text, and I looked at it in either Greek or Hebrew, and then I picked a translation, and then I would write on that text, on that biblical passage, and then I'd make an application, a real specific strategy for how to make that real in our own lives, and then I'd write a prayer to end it. Now, some of these took obviously more than one day, but I needed to settle myself and breaking the Bible down into very, very small pieces that someone could read in 10 minutes a day really helped to settle my soul as well, I think. So for me, it was, you know, knowing that I was moving and it was going to be a tumultuous time and knowing that I wanted God to settle my spirit and to use that settling to settle other people's lives into the spirit-filled life. Mm. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for writing that and sharing that. You know, it's so interesting to me, the Holy Spirit, he's with us, but it's something that we cultivate is our awareness of him and what he's doing in our lives. And as we continue to cultivate that, it's like a well-worn path. You know, the Psalm says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And as the shepherds lead the sheep, they continue to have them graze. And as they go along the path continuously, it becomes a well-worn path. And as we turn to him, we lean on him, we listen to him, it shows up in our lives and such an easier and the path becomes easier to trot. The cover of the book that they made, Seven Secret, the chosen books made, is kind of a jagged mountain or a hill that you're walking along. And I love it because sometimes those paths are smooth. And sometimes they're really rough and rocky. And the idea is the Holy Spirit is with us when it's rocky, when it's smooth, when it's level, when it's uphill. And what we need to do is to cultivate those, I'll call them skills or disciplines that allow us to receive and discern the Spirit. I think the Spirit in our own lives. I think sometimes we think, boy, when life gets going, God has abandoned me. The Spirit is no longer there. Oh, no, no. The Spirit is there, teaching us in ways that we may not want to learn. Mm. So I love the cover of this book because it's 
sometimes flat, sometimes uphill, sometimes jagged, sometimes downhill. Mm -hmm. But the spirit is always there with us and in us and through us. Mm, I love that so much. And I love that Jesus says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. I'm with you always mm -hmm. to the end of the age. I'm so thankful that he gave us a spirit. You know, he says it's better for you that I go to the Father uh, so that he can send the spirit. Mm -hmm. So what's something that people can do today to begin their journey into that spirit-filled life? I have something very, very simple that they can do. Now, I don't know what they'll think of it, but, and okay, Christina, we talked before the podcast about Hebrew. So you know that the Hebrew word for spirit is, it's a beautiful word, ruach. Mm. It's sort of, you, you kind of let it sit in the back of your throat, very relaxed. It's not spit out, it's <laughs> ruach. And you're almost breathing in as you're saying it, right? Mm -hmm. And very often in the Hebrew Bible, the word that's translated as spirit is normally this word ruach. So one of the things we can do, and I talk about this in the book a little bit, one of the things we can do is simply learn to slow down and breathe and pay attention to the ruach of God going in and out of our lungs. Because yes, ruach is spiritual, and yes, ruach is the spiritual life, and yes, ruach may inspire speaking in tongues and prophecy and all these things. But at its very base, ruach is the breath the spirit breath we breathe in and out. And that's why with seven secrets, at least, on uh, the beginning of the first seven days, you start by breathing for one minute. The beginning of the second day, second seven days, two minutes. And by the time you're at the seventh secret, you're breathing for seven minutes. Because I believe, and Christina, I'm sure you know this to be true, I believe that we move, I move too quickly. Mm. And we need to set ourselves in a place to receive just the sheer presence of the Holy Spirit without producing, without acting, without accomplishing, without acquiring, receive the Spirit. So breathing the Spirit is a spiritual act. So what can your people do? After this podcast is over, set the timer for one minute, one minute of the day. And sit there and breathe and pay attention to God's breathing life, life breath, life spirit breath into us mm. for one minute. That's the place to start. I think it's very simple. You don't need Hebrew. You don't need Greek. You don't need to be a spiritual giant. You don't need to be a preacher. Amen. You simply need to be able to breathe. And hopefully all of your people can do that. <laughs> hopefully they're breathing out there. <laughs> Hopefully we haven't killed them yet. <laughs> I love that so much. You know, I think sometimes we tend to overcomplicate the things of God when it is so simple. He's as foundational as the very breath that we breathe. It's your breath in my lungs, so I breathe out my praise. It's as simple as that. And I absolutely love, I think, was it Elijah that was looking for the Lord? He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in those powerful expressions, but it was in that whisper, that still small voice. And as new covenant believers today, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's that still small voice. 
And I know in my own walk, if I'm in the midst of a storm or something going on around me, I like to get very, very quiet. And I like to be still so that I can hear that still, small voice to drown everything else out. In this age of noise and chatter and all of that. Can you talk about I hearing so that, grateful. that voice, that still, yeah, small what? voice? Can you talk about hearing that still, small voice? I can. Let me give you an example of that. By way of example. So my wife, Priscilla, is an amazing human being. And when we lived in Seattle, before we moved to Dallas, she went every month to Priory, St. Placid's. It was about 15 women in their 80s who were, you know, Catholic sisters, and they had a retreat center. And she would go, and every Sunday, they would have times of real quiet and prayer and a lot of Bible reading. They do a lot of Bible reading in those communities. So Priscilla is a person who's, in the normal course of life, she's very active and engages a lot of things, but she's also willing to be quiet. So when we were trying to decide whether to move into the dorm, I mean, I was kind of holding back, but I was kind of gung-ho. I just really wanted to hang out with students and go to lunch with them and go for walks with them, blah, blah. But I didn't know if Priscilla felt called to that as well. So one day she was on her deck and she spent the afternoon in quiet. I didn't talk to her. I watched her though. And Christina, this was the most amazing thing. I could almost see her eyes turn inward. She walked with steps that were almost unhuman, quiet, quiet steps. And about four hours later, she turned to me. She said, I'm ready to do this. Mm. And that was our calling to move in. And it's a big thing to do at our age. You know, most people are retiring. Mm -hmm. And she was quiet and she listened to the voice of God from inside her. And it was remarkable to kind of peek and watch her listening to the voice of God, the still small voice. I've mm -hmm. rarely seen anything like it. I've seen a lot of worship, a lot of activity, a lot of things going on. I've mm -hmm. rarely seen nothing going on and God speaking in that nothingness. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. You know, I'm obviously a spiritual Christian and I've seen many, many manifestations and I absolutely love worship and things like that. But when I say this, like it truly fills me with awe to just hear that still, small voice. And, you know, I always tell people a lot of times they look for these big manifestations of God, but I always tell them, however he comes, it is powerful. Whether it's with peace, with power, with electricity, with speaking in tongues, with that still, small voice, whatever it is, it's powerful. So tell me, other than breathing, what is the next thing that we can do to continue to lead that spiritual life and experience our own personal Pentecost? Oh my gosh, Christina. So let me page through and think. I mean, I have seven of them, all of which I think are important. But I would say secret number, I'm going to give you two. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I could give you three. <laughs> How many to give you? But one is very simple. Uh, the second secret is called saturate yourself with scripture. 
I think we need to go back to reading our Bibles for longer and better times. I think, you know, it's great to read a snippet on Twitter and that kind of thing, but I think spending at least 15 to 20 minutes a day in meditating on Scripture, chewing it over, I think is really important because I think in the early church, God spoke to them as with the Spirit spoke to them as they were going through the Old Testament to try to understand who Jesus was. Jesus didn't leave them with a lot of very clear understanding of who he was. And that's why earlier you said the Holy Spirit came afterwards to clarify who Jesus was. And always we see in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit did that by leading them into the Old Testament so that they could understand Jesus better. So I think one very simple thing, breathe for one minute a day, read scripture, and it doesn't matter what scripture, for 15 minutes a day. And then I have, which struggle for harmony, get ready. The third uh, secret is to be in community. And Christine, I'd love to hear what you have to say, because you're much more the age of people who are struggling with community. Because I think post-COVID, if we went to church at all, we could go to church in our pajamas. We could do back stretches like I did during the church service. But then after COVID, a lot of people aren't coming back. Mm. So I think the third secret, I think, in the book is, you know, really look to community. Try to reestablish community. That doesn't have to be a big church. It can be a small group. But I think that's something that needs to happen, especially with people working remotely at home. We're isolating ourselves from each other. And I think we need to come together. We need to have touch. We need to have facial expressions. We need to worship and pray physically together, like in the upper room, right before Pentecost, right? Before Pentecost, before they spoke in other languages, before Peter preached, they were all together in the upper room praying. And so... Another secret would be really to get back to community. Maybe I'll leave it at that. Breathing for one minute a day, reading scripture for 15 minutes a day, and then trying to find a way where you can meet physically with other Christians if you've kind of given up on that post-COVID. I think that is a discipline that we really can't afford to give up on. Now, you know more about it's really your age group that's probably struggling more with community. So you may want to have a comment on that, Christina. Get ready to take your faith to the next level. As you sit at Jesus' feet, your faith will grow as you hear His Word, commune with Him in prayer, and feast upon His faithfulness. In this beautiful journal, you can record your time with God. It includes 52 weekday entries, which can be used as a week or a day, depending on your preference. Record the scripture you're reading, your response to it in prayer, and a journal page plus an answered prayer section to record Jesus' faithfulness. Grab your colored pencils and Bible and be sure to get creative with the images. This journal will be a powerful memorial of your relationship with a living and loving Savior. Be sure to pick up a copy of At the Feet of Jesus Worship and Prayer Journal today. Links in the show notes or you can find a copy at Amazon or ChristinaPereira.org slash store. You know, I would just say community doesn't have to be something big. It can be as small as one person. And I'm so thankful for the friends that the Lord has brought into my life. 
friends that I can be very vulnerable with, friends who are spirit-filled, who know how to flow in the gifts of the spirit. Because I will just say this, when we're alone, when we become more vulnerable, but there's always safety in numbers. And Jesus himself says, where two or more are gathered, I'm there in the midst. So I would just say to those people, begin to pray for really godly friendships and for the Lord to lead you to the right places, the right communities. I know a lot of people in my generation, I'm an elder millennial, but there's a lot of church hurt, especially with some of the things that we've seen with Christian nationalism and all kinds of different things. A lot of believers my age feel very disconnected. And I would just say, I understand your pain and just pray to the Lord and ask for one good godly friend if you're struggling to get back in. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes, yes to that. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes to that. And there is a lot of pain in the church. My gosh, you know, six and a half decades, boy, have I been beaten up and bruised at times. But the commitment to dear friends. And in fact, I had a friend back in Kansas City in my first job. He was a pastor of a church and he did a little pamphlet called God is a Small Group mm -hmm. because of the Trinity. Yeah. And just having two or three people together affirming each other. And, and when I get dark, as you say, and vulnerable, that other friend can be there in my darkness and vulnerability and hold me, not necessarily lift me out of it, just be there with me. I mean, I've been married, oh gosh, 41 years now, going on 42. No, 40. Well, I can't figure out the math. I think going on <laughs> 41 years now. And, you know, Priscilla will stand by me even when I'm terribly ugly. I had a pretty kind of a dark day yesterday. It's been a wonderful summer, but I had a kind of a dark day. And we talked for about an hour in the morning. She put aside her work. We talked. And then she walked with me the rest of the day. And it was pretty remarkable. Now that's, you know, not everybody's married for sure, but I think you're right to pray for one or two people who can stand with you and with whom you can stand is a real key to the spirit-filled life. You won't read about it in how-to books, but I think it's fundamental. You're absolutely right. You know, and, and if I could just add this, that one friend may have a gifting that's totally contrary to yours, and you need it. <laughs> you need mm -hmm. it. I'm so thankful for the friends who have giftings that are a little bit different than mine. Because it's all valuable. And I love the way that, you know, the Lord really set that up in his kingdom is that all of the gifts are complementary and we can use them to encourage each other in ways and reach each other in ways that we couldn't normally have been reached. And the Lord in his wisdom knows that. Yes. And in fact, I would add to that. So the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, back in the 1700s, he urged people to read the Bible with people with whom they disagree. Mm. So your friend does not have to be exactly like you. Like we have friends of a different political persuasion and they're dear friends and we pray together and we meet together and we vote differently. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's a sign. I think that's a sign of the spirit-filled life that people who can be different politically and socially, racially, economically can be together in the Holy Spirit. 
Mm-hmm. That is community. And you're right. It doesn't have to be 100 people. It doesn't have to be 10, two or three people. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for mentioning that because, you know, I think the unity that we really seek, that we really see in the Bible, and I really firmly believe this, that it starts with the unity in the spirit. I have an article I released quite some time ago, and it said, Why the Church Must Lead the World in Unity. Because Jesus has already created in himself one new man, and we are connected via the Spirit. You know, I love that you are coming from the Southern Methodist University, and I'm just a taught by Jesus. Like, I wanted to go to a theological seminary, and he told me no. And instead, he gave me a verse. He gave me this verse. He said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized these were unschooled, ordinary men, they took note, they were amazed these men had been with Jesus. But because you and I, we have such different backgrounds, but because we have the Holy Spirit, both within each of us, we can see each other, we hear each other, we know each other. And, you know, a deeper way that just transcends the surface level. I never like to be called doctor because it immediately puts distance. (laughs) And as a Christian, there is no distance. It doesn't exist. I mean, it's just fake. It's like a national border. It's arbitrary. And you're right. Maybe because I grew up, my parents didn't go to college. And I grew up, you know, with mostly people whose parents didn't go to college. I don't see a lot in hierarchy. I don't like hierarchy. I don't like when one person claims more than another. And you and I, even in the, the 10 minutes we talked before the podcast, right? With it, I mean, there's unity there that has nothing to do with where you grew up, what education you have, where I grew up, what education I have. That unity has come in Jesus Christ. And we are saved and we share that life together. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sin together. We're saved together. Hopefully, we're moving towards sanctification together. And it really doesn't matter how many degrees you have or how many books you've written. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. I've said so often, you know, the books I've written will burn up. I mean, Paul says it. These things will burn up at the end of time. They won't exist. I'm not going to be able to bring the books I wrote in a backpack into the presence of God with me after death. It's not Mm going to happen. Yeah. I know. It's so amazing to think about, you know, I always tell myself that like if something happens, if I break my favorite dish or something like that, I'll just say, oh, it's going to burn anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that is so true. And, you know, the most wonderful thing about the new covenant is that God has made this spirit-filled life available to each and every person, whether there's somebody like me stuck at home whether they're in a higher living, higher learning environment, or whether they're in an environment that is really hostile to the gospel. God has made this spirit-filled life available to everybody. I think that last one is so important, Christina, because I think there is maybe a tendency, and I can only speak to the little bit I know of America, and I'm probably out of touch with that as well, but I think there's a tendency to associate the spirit Um, with all the good things of life. And we can. I mean, look, what's the subtitle of this book? Daily Renewal, Purpose, and Joy. It's it's not, you know, daily depression, purposelessness, and Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, 
But I think the holy, I actually believe, and I hate it, I hate it, but I think it's biblical. I think the Holy Spirit is very much with us in a hostile environment. Mm-hmm. And that's why one of these secrets, I can never keep these secrets straight, is kind. Go is secret five. Go where the going gets tough. Discover the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. And I think, Christina, when we are working in hostile environments, of course it feels awful. Of course it's uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I mean, Jesus in Mark's gospel, chapter 13, promises the Holy Spirit to those who are being flogged in synagogues. Yeah. And then it doesn't promise that they're going to be released. Yeah. It promises that they're going to have a word of testimony, a word of witness, a word of the gospel of good news. So I believe that some of us are probably called into hostile environments. But somehow we think the Holy Spirit would never do that. Mm-hmm. Though the Holy Spirit actually, after coming into Jesus at his baptism, according to Mark's gospel, passed him out into the wilderness. And so the Holy Spirit, I think, wants us to be in witness to the world, even when we meet with hostility, which we invariably will if we're sharing the good news with people who don't want to hear it. And that is very much the work of the Spirit. So that third one you mentioned five minutes ago, Christina, I think is so important. In those hostile situations, please let everyone know the Holy Spirit is not just at work, but maybe most at work in our lives when we least feel the Spirit's presence because we're engaged in witness and testimony to a world that doesn't want to hear. Mm, That's so good. You know, I remember when I was 15 and I was in a Baptist youth group and we had this practice of evangelism. We would go out and try to evangelize. And I wanted so badly to say something, to share the Lord with people. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to say. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is so faithful, so faithful. He fills our mouth with words to say that we could never imagine. Just the fact that I get to do what I get to do, even here with you today, is a wonder to me because it's only the faithfulness of God. And we can trust him to fill our hearts, fill our mouths with the words that we need to say to people in hostile situations where maybe they don't want to hear the name of Jesus. Or maybe it's a situation where if you share it, you're likely facing imprisonment or death in some of these nations. But I just want to say this, that he's with us and we can depend on him. We can trust him. And, you know, just like you mentioned, our situations aren't always going to be pleasant. If we just look at the life of Stephen, it says a man filled with the Holy Spirit stood up and shared these things with the Jewish people, and he was stoned to death as a result of it. That's a tough passage. That's Acts chapter 7. Maybe my favorite chapter in Acts comes after that too, in Acts chapter 8, because after Stephen, there's a persecution and the followers of Jesus are cast out of Jerusalem. And what is that? That is the way the gospel is shared, by people being cast out and made to be refugees, bringing the good news. And you can read how they did that. And then it turns to the person of Philip, this wonderful 
Philip, who has an incredible ministry in Samaria, just north of Jerusalem. And while he's in the middle of this ministry with exorcisms, with people coming to faith, with all sorts of miraculous things happening, what does God do but pluck Philip out and puts him onto a wilderness road? Mm. And at that wilderness road, he can hear the still small voice. He can hear the Holy Spirit says, go up to that chariot. And here, Christine, I think is what's so important. When he gets to the chariot, he doesn't know what he's going to say. He doesn't have a speech prepared. It's not a big deal. What he does is, and every Christian who's listening to this podcast can do this, he says to the eunuch who's reading a scroll, do you understand what you're reading? So all of us can begin a conversation with a question. And then the Holy Spirit can begin to work in that conversation. If we have the guts and the nerve and the grit to ask someone a question, maybe at a Starbucks, maybe at a grocery store, maybe on a walk, maybe in a park, to say, how are you doing today? Let them talk, and then the Spirit moves into the cracks and crevices of that conversation. And who knows what happens? That's why I love the story of Philip. He doesn't come with a speech all prepared. He comes with a simple question, do you understand what you're reading? And then the story ends with the eunuch being baptized and going away, rejoicing, and to be honest, evangelizing Africa. Yeah. If Philip had stayed in Samaria, people in Africa wouldn't have heard about Jesus, but now the chariot goes to Africa with the Ethiopian eunuch in it. Because Philip went to a quiet road, listened to the Spirit, and asked a simple question that any one of us can ask. No PhD needed for that question. Amen. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That's the beauty and the simplicity of the Spirit-filled life. It's the beauty of the gift of the Father. So if our listeners have not received the gift of the Father today, would you pray that they receive that today? Holy Spirit, you deeply, deeply want to be in the deepest crevices of our lives, where there is sadness and where there is joy, where there is energy and where there is weakness in our health and in our sickness, in wealth and in poverty, you deeply desire to be with us. We don't need to invite you in. We don't need to ask you to come. We don't need to pray for your presence. You are here with us. As we breathe, as we live, in the darkness, in the light, And so we don't pray for you to come. We pray that we would receive you. Open us up. Remove our defenses. Take away our excuses and breathe life into us so that we can live not just in the Spirit, but filled with the Spirit in all that we do, alone, together, awake, asleep. Be our breath, 
be our life, be our spirit. In the very, very strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for praying for that. There's such a peace right now. There's such a stillness, and it's so beautiful. Thank you so much for being here with me today. You have such a peace and stillness in the way you talked with me. Thank you, Christina. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I hope and I pray today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast and resources in the show notes under Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira, wherever you get your podcast. There you'll find additional resources to connect with us and our special guest, Jack Levison. And be sure to pick up a copy of his new book, Seven Secrets of the Spirit-Filled Life. Daily renewal, purpose, and joy when you partner with the Holy Spirit. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. 7778. And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.